It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the sports department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. This is Bill Corey, the sports editor of the Providence Journal. With me is our sports writer, Bill Koch. Bill, it is a hazy, hot, humid summer day here in New England. Uh, in the We're officially in the dog days of summer here. We're past all the July 4th and summer fun festivities of July, and we're into the mugginess of August with the uh, prospect of school uh, for, uh, for those still in school uh, coming up in a few weeks. So this reminds me a lot of my uh, summers as a child. Oh, and the other thing that, that this uh, sort of reminds me of from my summers as a child the uh, the Red Sox uh, look like they've been uh, uh, grabbed by a shark and are being pulled <laughs> under <laughs> off the waters of Cape Cod. <laughs> it hasn't been pretty. They're they're uh, three and eleven in their last fourteen contests. As I looked at the standings uh, this morning, the Sox are five and a half games out of the uh, lead in the American League East, trailing the those pesky but resilient Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and Bill, all of a sudden, they are now bunched up with the Yankees and the Blue Jays, who are uh, all within two and a half games of each other in the second, third, and fourth place of the division. Bill, what happened? Bill, we, we were sitting here a few weeks ago saying, oh, all the Red Sox really have to do at this point is just kind of play 500, and they're, they're going to be good. And then, of course, they played like 200. <laughs> <laughs> then it's uh, it's never good when you're talking about your favorite team and you make a Jaws <clears throat> reference. Uh, I don't no. think that's necessarily w- what you're looking for. Uh, <laughs> because as we all know, Jaws wins. Uh, right. You know, not not Quint. He lost. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, some good, uh, you know, good cameo by Narragansett Beer in that movie, though. True. That's right. True. Um, <laughs> so. You know, and, and, and you could say that uh, Gansett never should have gone away. I don't right. drink it. It's not right. my product. I, I go elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I'm Team Whalers, uh, uh, generally yeah. at times. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bill, it, it's been a uh, it's been a confluence of, of things. Uh, I would say um, the the scary thing now, if you're a Red Sox fan, is is you can't really point to any one thing. They they've had multiple things go wrong. Whether it's they haven't pitched hmm. in a few games, they haven't hit in a few games. Yeah, JD Martinez really has kind of disappeared. I mean, he had a decent game a few games ago, but boy, he hasn't been maintaining what he did in the first half of the season. You know, he's scuffled a little. Uh, Xander Bogarts has scuffled a little. There, mm-hmm. There's been, you know, speculation about whether or not his wrist is bothering him. Yep. And, uh, you know, I would think that he's probably, you know, playing through a little something. Um, you know, but I, I just think, you know, I look at this team and I, I look at, uh, you know, their game in Toronto the other night where they had some base running gaffes yep. laid on where... Yep. You looked and said, "Oh boy, you know what? Like, what are we doing out yeah, there?" Yeah, that, that sort of that's that sort of points to maybe some underlying issues there. You know, uh, you know, are they are they as focused as they should be? You know, uh, is the coaching staff as locked in as it should be? And and you know, Alex Cora is a, is a great coach. There's no question about it. But this this play over the last uh, really since the break really has uh, you know has really put them into kind of a a, a whirlwind and a, and a, well a tailspin I think uh, is is more accurate and so Bill they're right now I think if the season ended today they're they're a wild card team correct yes uh, I think the second wild card. The second, so they're behind Oakland at this point. They would be on the road at Oakland for right. a wild card game, and and you know go back three weeks or so, or 
uh, yeah, about that. And uh, they were in first place with the first with the best division with the best record in uh, in baseball. But then. Uh, the trade deadline happened, or in the case of Boston, didn't happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so let's talk, you know, we, we've been kind of flogging this for a couple of weeks, but, you know, uh, they are still kind of um, sort of facing the repercussions of a, of a trade deadline in which the, the front office didn't really do a whole lot, if anything. So, Bill, he, here's the two sides of this. So the first side is they didn't do anything, which is what you and I agree with. They, they didn't really, I mean, Schwarber is, is hurt still. Uh, and their their bullpen pickups haven't exactly been uh, stellar. Uh, the other side is, well, maybe the front office knew that this team wasn't that good, and they didn't want to burn through some top prospects for a uh, for a team that really couldn't get there in the end. Which you know, I completely disagree with, but I understand that there is also that sentiment. I mean, you got the best record in baseball, aren't you? Honor bound to try and uh, improve your team, particularly when all the others. Uh, you know, all your competitors are doing the same? Uh, generally, you would think so. Uh, generally, in a, in a major market like Boston, where winning is the expectation and money is no object. Especially after last year, which was so horrendous, you know, and, and uh, you know, fortunately, there were, there were no fans at the games because it wasn't worth going to any of them. Sadly, I was at the games. And, uh, <laughs> but not as a fan. <laughs> no. Uh, I was there crying a lot of the time. It was, uh, you know, I, I just think, yes, we, we, can, we can talk about the trade deadline and we can rehash it and... Um, you know these guys are professionals and they have to get on with it. Uh, you know, and you would look and you would say, "What happened to the team that was sixty-three and forty? Were they overachieving? Uh, you know, are they having a two-week pity party here? Um, <laughs> you know, sort of what what's going on here? Yeah. So we're you know, there's a lot of psychoanalyzing. Uh, you know, how they feel, what's going on in the clubhouse. Uh, people are saying the right things, whether it's Alex Cora, Xander Bogarts. You know, we basically saying we know we're good we'll get past this you know it's just a blip it's a you know teams have a struggle throughout the year uh you know if we go three and 11 in the middle of may it's not a big deal but because it happened around the trade deadline everyone looks and tries to connect the dots and says you know the team is sulking because we didn't add anybody and yeah well i, I want to believe all that right as a red sox fan you want to believe well yeah every team goes through kind of a, a cold spell and stuff but the, the fact is it's happening at a time when your other when the other teams in your division have improved themselves and are playing better and you've gone from the best record in baseball firmly in control of the division to you're in second place and sinking the the difficult part of fighting against it is narratives become narratives for a reason they sort of develop not out of thin air but because things are happening uh you know if you go seven and seven coming out of the trade deadline let's say instead of three and eleven yeah people would look and say well they didn't really add anything but they're sort of maintaining here yeah yeah they're you know they're sort of still contending in the division and they've still got the first wild card and they still have a bit of a a buffer over the jays and and over the yankees right if they were 500 they would be either in first place or maybe within a game or so depends where those wins came from against the rays there but but they're a far cry from that and and you would look and you would say yeah early on in the season they were overachieving and now they've leveled off a little bit um you know but cratering like this yeah you you look and you start to try to draw some conclusions and and i think you know and i i've said this previously um you know the trade deadline in in my mind you know boston 
if you're contending, if you're leading the division, you should be a buyer, an aggressive one. Yep. Uh, I don't take chances to win lightly. Uh, you know, and, and, and that, if I look on paper and I say, okay, you know, the Red Sox can't beat the Dodgers in a seven-game series. They can't beat the Astros. They can't beat the Padres. They can't beat the White Sox. You know, so why try? Um, in my mind, that's just so defeatist. And, and, you know, I understand, like, you, you want to build for the future. And, you know, I'm not saying trade Tristan Casas for Max Scherzer. That's not what I wanted them to do. I'm not sitting here saying trade for Max Scherzer, trade for Craig Kimbrell. Right. You know, just burn it completely to the ground. Prospects. But there were players to be had at this deadline. And you have a real 40-man roster crunch coming up in the offseason mm. where you have some prospects you're not going to be able to keep. Prospects represent possibility, not who they're going to be. Right. It's not necessarily who they're going to be uh, down the line. So, you know, I sort of look, and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have as much uh, hesitation uh, about dealing some of those guys who are a long way away uh, if if I could get somebody with some tenure, who could help me? If somebody was signed for you know through next year, let's right. say, uh, I liked Jose Barrios. I, I thought that that would have been the best guy they could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have deployed Tanner Houck as, as like a multi-inning bullpen guy, sort of with Garrett Whitlock. I think those two could have been great weapons because um, if you look at Houck and you look at his numbers, you know, first time through the order, four fifty four OPS. Second time through, six sixty seven third time through 1750 wow yeah <laughs> and and we and we saw that on thursday uh when tampa got to him third time through the order yeah. and, and ultimately won the game in the sixth inning um well he's a young pitcher right, right. right? that's that's going that's right. going to happen and, and it, it's incumbent upon them to to kind of make some adjustments and work with the coaches and stuff but i think your overall point and larger point is a good one you, you can't really rely much on on a rookie pitcher at this point well i mean and, and if you're the Red Sox, the, it's a worthwhile discussion. Should you have to rely on one? Shouldn't you be able to yeah, go out right. and, and get somebody who's established, You know, somebody who's a little better? Yeah, you mean like the guy who ended up with your uh, division rival in Toronto, uh, right. right? Barrios. Right. You know, you, you, you have a serious discussion about, uh, yeah. you know, can we get him? Could we have offered what the Blue Jays offered? Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, for me, that's a separate issue because anyone's going to have a cost. Sure. Uh, but I'm looking at trading two prospects for him for seven years, not for a year and a half. Right. I'm, I want to extend him. I want to keep him here. He's in his mid-20s. I'm looking and I'm thinking this guy can be a, a linchpin of our rotation going forward. This isn't a rental. It's not Max Scherzer. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, but I, I just I, I look at the players and I think, you know, if, if you're playing in Boston and you're 63 and 40 and you're leading the division and, and you're in that clubhouse, you had a very light discussion between Matt Barnes and Alex Spear of the Boston Globe mm. about the possibility of bringing Craig Kimbrell back and and I don't think anybody really believed that was going to happen but you know the dialogue between Spear and, and Barnes was you know yeah trade for Kimbrell but he's going to set up for me you know it's not going <laughs> to you know because I'm the closer now right, um, right you know but I I think the larger 30,000 foot view of that was we were having serious discussions about the Red Sox adding prior to the deadline, making a serious move, sure. you know, seriously improving this roster. And we go from that to Kyle Schwarber, who's hurt, Hansel Robles, who balked in a run on Thursday, <laughs> yeah. who was terrible, who the Twins paid to get rid of. They bought a prospect, essentially. Right. Um, 
and Austin Davis, who I'd put the over under at four and a half players in the Red Sox clubhouse who actually knew who Austin Davis was. <laughs> yeah. I certainly didn't. I didn't either. Not, I, not I, I called him Austin Bryce. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's pitching for the Pirates, who were 25 games under 500 right. and last in the NL Central. Right. Who has a clue who Austin Davis is? Not at all. You know, you, you could have got, there were guys out there who moved, like Tony Watson or Ryan Tapera or Andrew Chafin, um, who were having really good seasons, who have a little bit more of a track record. Um, who would have cost you something, but not necessarily, you know, you're not trading like uh, Brian Bello for those guys. You know, you're not trading like Jeter Downs for those guys, right. Gilberto Jimenez. You're talking about a mid-level prospect for someone who really would have improved your team. You've got those two guys, Robles and, and Davis, pitching while you're behind on Thursday. Um, really, the, the only guy after Tanner Houck who should be pitching for a winning team is, is Josh Taylor. The rest mm-hmm. of those guys, uh, I mean, you go Robles, Davis, Yaxel Rios. I, I don't care about any of the three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, really, they, they shouldn't be part of the Red Sox going forward. It, it would have been nice to have either Craig Kimbrell or another real uh, uh, back end of the bullpen type arm uh, in that last game in, up in Toronto when uh, when Matt Barnes came in after having worked, uh, I think, the previous was it the previous night he had worked? He, he pitched three games in two days. So okay. I, I, I should say, he, he worked in two games and he threw one pitch in a third. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> because <laughs> right, it was an instant loss. He got, so, yeah. he got walked off on right, right. Uh, in a one nothing game. Um, you know, where he threw one pitch and Marcus Semien hit a home run. <laughs> right, uh, right. You know, but I just, you know, I just look at this team and, and, and I, I just think, you know, this should be different. This, this should, it should have been different at the deadline they had engendered a fair amount of goodwill through the first a lot of you know, 100 games Absolutely. or so um you know it felt like they had sort of come back from last year they'd, they'd turn the page on that yeah put that in the review mirror uh and i think they really left a sour taste with with a lot of fans and maybe in a truthful moment with some of their players by their inaction well you know th- this is a good point that, that you have made uh and if you are a player on the Red Sox and, you know, the uh, trade deadline week rolls around and you are looking around and saying, hey, here we are in first place. We've got the best record in baseball. We're excited that uh, hopefully they're going to bring some people in to help us uh, for the stretch run. And then you see what happened. I, I got to believe that it's kind of dispiriting to some degree. And I'm not trying to take shots at the people, at the, the guys they brought in, but they're certainly not uh, players that I think uh, would be considered, you know, top shelf players that are really going to. Uh, well, first of all, they didn't they didn't help the rotation at all. They didn't bring in a starter, and that was a kind of a one of the needs. And uh, uh, you know, Schwarber may be a good player when he's when he's healthy, but you know, I'm not sure that they really needed uh, somebody else who was could could be like a DH first base, sometime outfielder type. But regardless, he still hasn't played a game for him because he's hurt. Uh, but they're looking around, saying, "This is it. This this is what these. This is what our our bosses think of us." And uh, yeah, you know that might have played into why they didn't look so good on the bases the other day. You know, may, maybe they're like, "Well, you know, uh, maybe uh, maybe they don't have the kind of confidence in us that that we have in ourselves." And, and that's and that's discouraging. You know, I, I can't speak for this because I don't have kids, but I know you are a father of two. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And I would say, um, you know, while you and, and your wife were raising your daughters, it, just about anybody would tell you the most important thing to do for a kid is to show that you believe in them. 
yes. in some way, shape, or form. Right. You, absolutely. If, if they show some sort of aptitude for something, you support them. Yeah, you nurture uh, that. You, and you nurture encourage that. it. Sure. You encourage them to pursue it. Um, you know, you make sacrifices to that end so that they can pursue it. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, that belief um, makes all the difference in the world a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, when, for sure. When raising kids, if you're a coach, if you're whatever, right? Self doubt is, is is particularly as a you know as a younger person is uh, you know it's one of those things that that I think all of us have to kind of conquer at some point. And so, you know, I mean, the the Red Sox are not kids; they are professionals. Baseball is a business, right? But when you go into the trade deadline and the Yankees add and the Blue Jays add and the Rays add and Houston add, right? You're looking around and saying, "What about us?" You're looking around and saying. Why didn't we do anything? Right. Yeah. You know, we got Kyle Schwarber who's hurt. Maybe he'll be something in the last 45 games. We have no idea. He can't play first base. He's yeah. only done it one game in his career. The two relievers we've added are completely nondescript. We have no idea who they are. I mean, we <laughs> we like we know Hansel Robles because we've hit him before. <laughs> Austin Davis are like, dude, I I don't know, right? You know, and and so you, I I think it's only it's only natural. It's human nature to look around and say, wow, they really don't believe in us. They really think that we're a mirage, yeah. Like that we can't beat Houston, or we can't beat the White Sox, or we can't, you know, beat the Rays in a playoff series. Like it, it, it's, you know, they they really think that we're a fluke. And and I go back to 2013, a Red Sox championship team where you constructed it similarly to this one. You added some veteran pieces, some right. guys who, you know, weren't necessarily top of the market free agents, but you brought in Shane Victorino and Mike yep. Napoli and Johnny Gomes and, you know, you were trying to recover from a tailspin the year before, you know, really embarrassing 2012. That was the Bobby Valentine The Bobby Valentine yeah. year where you finished in last place. Yeah. Um, you look at that team on paper against the Tigers in the ALCS. Oh, no, yeah. You had no business winning in that series. You know, you're looking at Detroit and their rotation is Verlander, Scherzer, Fist, Annabelle Sanchez, Rick Porcello couldn't get a start in that series. <laughs> right. um, their lineup is Prince Fielder, Miguel Cabrera, Torrey Hunter, Victor Martinez. Yeah, yeah no. Ch- you're going into that thinking Red Sox have no shot against this team. They're a better team. Yeah, and and you go to you know maybe that trade deadline and and I don't you know I don't remember what they did at at, at that deadline. I, I couldn't say, but you know I I I think. When a lot of folks look and they want to say, well, you know, this this series isn't going to go our way or, you know, we can't really win in the playoffs because Team X is better and Team Y is better and whatever else. It's an interesting thing. It's professional sports. You can't necessarily predict outcomes like you can in high school. The best team is going to win, you know, 19 out of 20 times or college. You know, the best team is going to win 17 out of 20 times. In professional sports, all these guys get paid. Right. They're all pros. They're all great at what they do. You can't necessarily tell me that you're not going to have Dodgers A's from 1988 or Reds A's from 1990 or the Sox beating the Tigers in 2013. Yeah. Jake Peavy, by the way, was the uh, deadline acquisition. Oh, that that's year. right. Jake Peavy. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Google. <laughs> um, and, and, and Jake Peavy, uh, you know, I, I know that they had tried to get him you know, a couple times previously, previously and yeah. probably got him a couple of years too late because he was really good with the Padres. Yeah, uh, yeah, for, he was a little, a little long in the tooth when he showed up, but uh, he wasn't bad for the Red Sox. No, you know. but I mean, just generally, I, I don't think, you know, if you had asked an honest Red Sox fan, are you going to be able to beat the Tigers in this right. series? I, I don't necessarily think that a lot of them would have said, oh yeah, you know, we're, you know, we got this, we're fine. Right. <laughs> um, right. So I definitely think that, 
you know, there is some of that going on. Uh, the players would never admit to that because they're professionals and they're not supposed to say it. And Alex Cora wouldn't admit to that because he's the manager and he's right. not supposed to say it. But I, I definitely think that there's some of that going on. And, and you know, yes, part of this is, is water finding its level as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were a team that's 23 games over 500. I, I think that they were probably... You know, I thought they were an 85 win team to start the year. Right. I think that's but more they, realistic. They, but they were on pace at that. You know, for some per- portion of the season, they were on pace to reach 100 wins. You but know, at that point you are playing a certain way. You had a certain swagger, a yeah. certain confidence, a certain belief. Yeah. That was partly taken away by your own front office. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just don't understand yeah. it. I, I well, don't. You know, uh, unfortunately, we've arrived at the sp- at the point in the in the season where I hope the Red Sox would not arrive, and that is to say, they are pinning a lot of their hopes on the return of Chris Sale. Yes, because uh, obviously they didn't do anything in terms of in terms of fortifying the starting rotation at the deadline, um, and you've got Chris Sale, who's had a you know pretty solid rehab um, assignment, uh, pitching uh, most recently for uh, for the Woo Sox. And uh, now is rejoining the Red Sox and is going to pitch this weekend, I believe, right? Saturday. Saturday, okay. Uh, so, I mean, listen, we all know how good Chris Sale has been in the past. Uh, he's an older guy. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. We'll see how it goes. But I think it's it would be foolish to expect Chris Sale to all of a sudden rediscover his form from, you know, whatever, 2000 and. 17. 16 or 17, yeah. you know, uh, after having gone through what he's gone through. It would have been, I think, uh, in an ideal world, you know, you would have thought, okay, so you've got uh, Ivaldi pitching pretty well. If you'd gone out and gotten another solid arm, maybe Chris Sale is that number, is a three, is a solid number three coming back for you. Hmm. Well, now he's looked at as more like the one or two. You know, and that may be too much to ask for somebody who's just gone through what he's gone through. Yeah, now you're you're sort of relying on the fact that he's going to be the 2017 version instead of hoping <clears throat> for it. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and I right. I, it would have been a pleasant surprise, and now it's like, well, if he's not, then we're done. Huge difference between yeah. those two things. Um, you look at Nathan Avaldi, his last outing, he made a really nice rebound from that disaster in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, you know, dominated the race, was really, really good right. uh, on Wednesday night. And, and and as we've said many times, the biggest win for Nathan Avaldi this year is that he's still pitching. He's made all his starts. He's made all his starts, Healthy. you know. And, and yes. yeah, he's, he's had a couple ups and downs, but more ups than downs for sure. And he's been in the rotation. When he can stay out there, he's a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. Um, you know, the knock on him has always been that, that he's going to get hurt yeah. at some point. And, you know, you should only rely on him for about 20 starts a year because he's going to hit the IL at, at some point. Right. Um, you know, but so far this year, that hasn't been an issue for him at all. He, he's been excellent. Um, you know, but I, I would say, you know, with Chris Sale, yes, if you get the 2017 version of Chris Sale, he's going to give you a huge lift. Uh, but to ask for that, to right. rely on that is a bit unfair to a guy who you know is already going to be asking the world of himself. Uh, you know, that's sure. that's the type of guy he Absolutely. is. Yeah. Uh, that's the way he's wired. Uh, as we sit here on this Friday, this is the two-year anniversary of his last outing in a major wow. league game. Two years. Wow. Uh, pitched in Cleveland at Progressive Field. I remember being at that one. It was a, a bit of a roller coaster, up and down game for him. Uh, his final line was not great. Uh, you know, it was the last game of a road trip. Um, they came home the next day, and I remember being at Fenway Park, and, and there was a late announcement. I think it was at about five thirty for a seven o'clock game that 
yeah. Chris Sale was going on the IL uh, with left elbow inflammation, <laughs> and it was like, uh oh, what? <laughs> like it was one of those moments where you you look at your phone and you're just like, yeah, what is this? You have to read that again. What to did make they sure just you say? Got it. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh boy. Oh boy, right. because here we go into 2020 when his extension starts, and here we are in 2021. That's right. I didn't. I didn't even think of that. That's right. He was. He was uh, embarking on his new contract extension at that point. Yeah. He is yet to throw a pitch with the new deal. With the new deal. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday will be his first one. Right. Um, so you're thinking, oh no, Chris Sale's hurt. This right. team was sort of like stuck in second gear mm-hmm. for most of 2019 anyway yeah yeah uh you know missed the playoffs after after being a juggernaut the year before yeah it was it was a disappointing year because you pretty much had the entire team back and they really weren't playing to the same level you know and now you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking oh my goodness you know what's what's going to happen now um you know and it's it, it sort of you know how good he wants to be. You know he's watching this and, and seeing them sort of peter out here over the last 14 games. Right, right. You know that he's thinking, if we can just get into the playoffs and you put me out there with Evaldi and somebody else and the guys in the middle of our order can get going in a series, you know, we have a chance to make a run. Right. Because that's the kind of guy he is. He's very competitive. Um, you know, He's very uncompromising in terms of his own personal standards. Um, you know, he's, he's been really, really good in his rehab outings. Uh, you know, if you look, I think he had five walks and 35 strikeouts. Yeah, no, very encouraging, absolutely. But, you know, he's doing this against AAA batters here. Right, and and we're going to see, you know, well, you could argue Saturday he's doing it against AAA batters too. He's facing the <laughs> Orioles. It could, that might be, uh, that, that may actually count as another rehab you know, start. Right. Could be, uh, <laughs> not, not, he's not exactly walking in and doing calculus. Yeah, uh, what happened the to the day? Orioles? But anyway, that, that's a whole different podcast. Wow, seriously. <laughs> Um, Thirty-eight and seventy-five. By the way, oh my goodness, are they really? That's what my uh, that's what the standings say. Thirty-eight and seventy-five. Thirty-one games oh. out of first place. Oh. Thirty-one games, and you still have, you know, like a month and a half to play. You know, and you and know. the scary thing is that they're about twenty-five games behind fourth place, aren't they? Because the other four teams in the <laughs> yeah. division are good. Yeah, the Blue Jays are, are seven and a half out of first. Right. Place. So they're twenty-four <laughs> behind. Uh, I mean, that's just yeah. that's unconscionable. Anyway. anyway. Um, you know, but yes, you, you, you have to think that Sale is going to set a very high standard for himself, as he always does. Right. Um, and, and you just hope that, you know, he comes through this healthy, uh, that he can give you, you know, your 45 games left. Can he give you eight or nine starts mm. down the stretch? Right. Uh, you know, can he give you quality innings? Can he, um, you know, sort of live up to that? standard that he set before i would like to see something in between the 2018 and 2019 versions in 2019 he wasn't very good he had a 440 era which is the highest of his career um 2018 before the all-star game he was outstanding yep uh you know and 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 in 2017 obviously he was great he had 300 strikeouts uh had a sub three era was a cy young contender um, so something in between those two versions for me would be really nice, um, and that would make him the best pitcher in their rotation. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and and give them a huge lift. I, I just think that his presence on the mound and and seeing that guy out there, you you sort of have a different feeling when your ace is out there. 
Sure. You, you, like you, you yeah, know, absolutely. You go into yeah. the ballpark that day, and you're just like, all right, Chris is pitching. Right. You know, we got a chance today, like yeah. against anybody. Even even if you're trailing by a couple of runs early in the game, there's a sense of well, he's not he's going to clamp down here, and they're not going to get any more runs, and we'll get these runs back, kind of thing. Whereas, if somebody else goes out there, and all of a sudden you're trailing by two or three runs after the first couple innings, you might think, oh boy, this is going to be a long game. We're going to have to score eight runs to get back into this thing. So, but again, this is all based on the Chris Sale of your. <laughs> That's right. right? We'll we'll see what the Chris Sale is of today. And uh, listen, obviously, we're all hoping for the best, and uh, we're hoping that uh, you know he can finish the season out strong and and uh, you know without any hiccups or setbacks. But you know, to, to think that he's going to come in and be and be the ace may be too too tall of an order. So, Bill, um, as you mentioned here, they have 45 games left, and I know that that math is not our strong suit, but. Uh, According to my little Durfee High School uh, calculations here, very good, uh, very good. So if the Rays basically go 500 from here on out, they're going to essentially get to like 93 wins. Right. Okay. Okay. So the Red Sox would need to win, I believe, like 28 games to surpass that. They'd have to go like 28 and 17. Right. Right. 29 and 16. So that's a pretty good clip. It's not ridiculous off the charts no way they can do it but no. considering what we've seen over the past few weeks it seems highly unlikely so here we are with the uh with the uh uh the the usual question where are the red sox going to end up now <laughs> so I, for me I, I don't see them winning the division uh not only do they have to catch the rays who you know don't show any signs of actually just playing 500 ball. They're probably going to surpass that. But the other thing is now you're in a te- you you are in a um, you're in a crunch with two other teams, the Yankees and the Blue Jays, uh, and yourselves are all within two and a half games of each other. So I you know I think the most you can hope for, uh, realistically anyway, is a world is a uh, is a wild card berth here. Uh, but even that seems a little dicey at the moment, doesn't it? The the scary thing for me is that you know through the first hundred games this team seemingly found ways to win. Yeah. And through the last 14 they found ways to lose. They've lost games one nothing where they pitched well and haven't hit. Mm-hmm. They've lost games 9-8 where they've hit well and haven't pitched. They've made mistakes on the bases like they did the other night in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I mean they had an abomination in in I think it was the 7th inning yeah. in one of those doubleheader games where like they were doing things that little league teams would do uh, on the bases <laughs> really really bad. Right. Uh they've done things defensively that have made you scratch your head. The other night, you know, J.D. Martinez throws to the wrong base mm. on a ball that's hit off the wall. He doesn't throw to second. Uh, he doesn't yeah, keep the double play guy, in order. Advances, he, yeah. he doesn't keep a runner out of scoring position. Right. Um, you know, you, if Franchi Cordero allows a foul pop-up to drop the other night, that really hurts them right. later in a game. Um, you know, so you're, you're, you're watching them do these things that they didn't do through the first 100 games. And, and I really believe in... Um, you know, a sort of collective momentum for a team. I understand that baseball, you know, momentum is only as good as the next day's starting pitcher. Right. Um, but I generally think that, that teams establish habits. They establish patterns right. in a certain way. Winning teams tend to do certain things just as losing teams tend to do certain things. Right, right. Um, you know, and, and the Red Sox, I think, through about 100 games – Tended to get a hit when they needed to, uh, make a defensive play when they needed to, have a good outing when they needed it. 
uh, you know, a reliever got out of a jam when, when he needed to. Right. Um, you know, they showed some resiliency when they needed to in certain spots. And now the last 14, you're, you're looking and you're thinking, okay, you've lost the game one nothing, where, you know, you just couldn't get a hit. Uh, you lost the game 9-8 where you had a 7-2 lead and your starting pitcher gives back two runs. Mm-hmm. And then your bullpen starts to leak runs. And then Matt Barnes gives it up late. Um, you know, you've had other games where you've just made mistakes in the field and given opponents other chances. And so now you're, you're sort of going in the opposite direction in that, right. where right. before you were doing everything to win, and now you're doing everything to lose. And that is hard to snap out of yes. over a certain period of time. Yes. I think it's a lot easier to get into that sort of track when you're winning and it feels good and you like going to the ballpark every day and it's like, oh man, you know, I can do no wrong. You know, everything's right. going to go our way. Yeah. Um, I think it's a lot harder to snap out of when it turns and you get frustrated and you start to think, maybe I should change this, maybe I should tweak that, maybe we should do this. Um, and you start trying to figure that out and, and you sort of like, you know, think yourself into a little circle. Right, right. Well, I think that's a lot harder to reverse than the positive side of it. You've got the right team coming to town to hopefully help you get going on that. Goodness, I I can't believe you said that. 38 and 75. My God, that is terrible. (laughs) That's ridiculous. You know, I mean, they they may not reach 50 wins. But anyway. Gosh. um, uh, So, Orioles come to town uh, and then you go to the Yankees. So, it's, it's, you know, you have sort of the... the, uh, You've got your fate in your hands, so to speak. I mean, you're going to be playing the Yankees. I believe you play the Rays again, I want to say, the very beginning of September. Um, so, uh, but I, I think, as we said before with the math, you know, you, you've kind of, you've made things hotter on yourself because you can't just split series anymore or maybe even can't even take two out of three in most. I mean, you, you know, against the Orioles, you, you pretty much need to sweep that series. You need to get three wins under your belt here. And and if you go to the Yankees, when you go to the Yankees, you hope to get at least two more, you know? You you made a shark reference earlier. <clears throat> you got to pick on the minnows now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? I, mean, yeah. I mean, you have no choice right, now. Right, This isn't like, hey, you know, we'll just play Baltimore and we can win the series and move on. Right, like, which, which is where you were at the trade deadline. You right. know, if you were at a point where at that point in the season, if you pretty much won most, most of the series, you were fine. But because of the, you know, the... Since then, you've tanked so much. You're, you're, you know, you're in a, you're in a different situation, and it's a, it's a more, much more difficult one now for you. Yeah, and you know, this time, and, and I'm not saying that it's it's over, and they, they're not going to get to the postseason. But boy, they've really made the, uh, they've made the road to the postseason a lot harder. And you know, the the the, the scary prospect is the teams around you are better and playing better. Um, and know, strengthened, and 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 th- right, they're better. They've got better uh, rosters because of what they did at the trade deadline, where you have basically not done anything or very little. They they sent a certain message to their rosters: Hey, we're in this. Yeah, we're going for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Toronto and the Yankees are, are behind you. Yeah, and they're doing that. Now I don't know if that's because they had it in mind to do it anyway. I don't know if that's because they looked at the Red Sox and saw them as weak. Yeah, and and overachieving. I don't know if maybe they looked at the Red Sox up against the competitive balance tax and said, Boston's not really going to add. They're not going to go through the tax. Yeah. We know they don't want to do that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's any of those things. But I look at the Yankees, and I think, I think Brian Cashman made a legitimate attempt to try to save his job. 
I, I think he might have felt a little pressure there. Yeah. Uh, this is not the boss in terms of the Steinbrenners. Sure. Um, you know, but I, I do think that, that there was pressure there on Cashman because I, they were I, so bad. I think there should always be pressure on Cashman and on whoever's sitting in a similar seat in Boston because these are teams that have fan bases that support you, yes. pay the big bucks, yes. get Nesson. You know, there, there's there's a high level of interest in these teams. I mean, you were just talking about uh, prior to uh, to what's going on here, uh, you know, just, just the difficulty that the Rays have bringing in fans, even though they're in first place. But, yes. you know, you don't see that here in, in Boston, and you don't see that in New York and in the, the sort of the baseball sort of heavy or crazy city. So I believe that should translate to... We're going to take it seriously, too, and try and do whatever we can to win. Yes. You're not operating in a vacuum if you're in Boston or in New York. In, in Tampa, um, you know, and granted, Tampa has some issues. Uh, Tropicana Field is in St. Petersburg. It's not in Tampa. There's nothing really around the ballpark. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> COVID-19 is, is a real concern in Florida. Right. You're I mean, talking I can't, about an indoor stadium. I can't blame people for not wanting to all congregate inside. Right? I get it. Uh, you know, but the other night you had less than six thousand for a game. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you're in first place. I mean, the Paw Sox used to draw more than that, right? Far more. Yeah, Worcester is drawing more than sure. that. You know, the other day they had fifty eight hundred for for a day game. Yeah, similar to Tampa's attendance. Um, you know, so I, I, I you and know, a much nicer ballpark, by much, the way. much nicer, <laughs> right. Polar Park, much yeah, nicer yes, than yes. Uh, the Trop. Right. But you know, you, you you look at Tampa and you think like, you know, if you're a player there. You know, none of the players make any money aside from Kevin Kiermaier and, and maybe a couple other guys. Um, you know, but you're all sort of anonymous. You don't make any money. You're playing for a franchise that has one of the lowest payrolls in the league. You have no fans. You can basically just operate however you want. Yeah. But you, they, you can make moves. You can change your roster. You can play weird. But they were active at the deadline, too. Right. Yeah. But it really doesn't matter what you do the the uniforms you know like there's there's no franchise player there right um you know you're just rooting for the laundry essentially exactly yep uh it's it's only a few people rooting for the laundry um you know but you're 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 just you don't necessarily have that major market thing going on where you have stars and you build the team around the stars and they're on a dunkin donuts commercial and they're on nesson right you know, they're paid $20 million a year and, you know, they're one of the best players in baseball and they're a face of the game and whatever else. You know, I'm looking at guys like Bogarts and like Martinez and like Sale. Sure. Um, you know, it, it is a different set of demands. It is a different level of scrutiny. Um, you know, and I, I just think that in Boston, and yes, the media has something to do with it, but... I think fan interest has a lot to do with it. I think the market, the history in the market has a lot to do with it. When you do certain things, you make certain decisions with the baseball team, whether it's your roster or who you're going to start or who's in your rotation or whatever else, those draw a lot louder, a lot more visceral reaction. The players feel that. You know, the players are professionals. They, you know, they, they, they go out there and they do their jobs. I understand that. But they're still humans. They still feel that. Sure. You know, they're, they're getting booed at Fenway Park yesterday. They feel that. Yeah. I guarantee you they do. Um, you know, and that affects performance. It, it does. You know, if, if you're going to say that a great crowd can lift a team, can help a team, right. getting booed in your own ballpark certainly isn't going to help you. That's tough. 
Absolutely. Tough. Yep. And you get to the point where you know, you've, you've played yourself into this position now where you've, you've opened the door for people to question you. you you've just you know you've just you've just said hey come on in right, right <laughs> you know right. like we look what we've done at the deadline go <laughs> ahead god rip us <laughs> right. you know like <laughs> because all of your worst fears we're, we're about to confirm them um you know so i i just it, it's just it's amazing to me that they've invited this onto themselves in, yeah. in a way yeah. I, it's just it's just so self-inflicted um, you know, and it's and it's it's difficult to watch them struggle now after what you saw through the first hundred three games. For sure, for sure. Uh, so, Bill, the uh, the Red Sox will try to right the ship here uh, this weekend. Uh, as we said, uh, the Orioles come to town for three, and then they uh, go to the Yankees. Uh, it looks like they have a double header next week against the Yankees in New York, as well as uh, a game on uh, a game on Wednesday. Uh, so again, there's there's time left, but we'll see what uh, what shape they're in and uh, what Mr. Sale can bring to the mound when he uh, when he completes his return to the majors uh, for the mm. four o'clock start against Baltimore on Saturday. Uh, so, Bill, before we uh, before we uh, close the curtain here on on this week's uh, Twin Bills, I want to uh, just bring up uh, the uh, and and take our hats off here to the North Providence Little League, which yes. uh, represented Rhode Island in this in the last week's um, uh, New England Regional Tournament down in uh, Connecticut and down in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, didn't go so well for the kids. Uh, tough loss in the first game against Vermont, and then uh, it was a real tough one against uh, against Maine uh, in the elimination game. But yeah. uh, you know. It, it is always a, a pleasure to watch the little leaguers um, that go down there and compete. And despite you know them uh, not sort of getting the results that they were hoping for, hopefully it's a uh, it's one of those experiences they're going to look back on in ten, twenty, thirty years when they see these guys around town or around uh, the state. And say, hey, remember when we were the Rhode Island Little League champs? You know, that's that's kind of a special thing. So, taking a moment here just to say, uh, you know, tip of the cap to the the kids from North Providence. Yeah, the first state championship in league history at, at any level, I guess they were saying. Yeah, you know, it's it's it was uh, that was impressive, and I was kind of surprised that they didn't have something at some point earlier on. You know, it, it's kind of one of those things where you you watch Little League here over the last two decades, and it's the same teams winning. Right. Branson Western, Lincoln, yeah. Cumberland American. Yeah. Um, you know, those have been the, the, the power Warwick, The Warwick guys had, had, a, had a little run there, too. The, the Warwick programs have yeah. consolidated, yeah. And, and so they've gotten stronger. Uh, you know, you had Warwick North winning a few years ago. You had Warwick Continental American in the finals this year. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, is, it is a great time of the year. Um, you know when you watch all the twelve-year-olds out there, I love watching just, it on TV. It's just it's it's, it's so uh, it's just pure joy. You pure know? is what I was yeah. going to say. It, it, it definitely is. It, it's it's the essence of the game. Yeah, ex- exactly. It really is. Right. You know, you're out there, and right. it's a bunch of kids who you grew up with. You know, who you're growing up with. Sure. Um, you know, and you're you're just playing it because you love it. Uh, you know, you're playing it for pride. You're you're playing it because you want to be great. You all have that big dream of, you know, hey, I want to play in the major leagues yeah, someday. You know, hey, yeah. can we play in Williamsport? You know, can we really do it? And, 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 you know, everyone thinks, like, when you get together for that first all-star practice, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're good. Like, you know, this kid, you know, I, I can't wait to play with this guy, you right. know, because we faced him in house league and he's, like, so good, you know. And yeah. it's like, now he's on my team. Right. Thank goodness. Right. Um, 
you know, if you, if you're anyone, you're anyone in North Providence, and Mike Ryan wasn't on your team, you're just like, oh, God, <laughs> thank right. God he's with us yeah. now. Well, thank God he's not pitching uh, against, against us. Against us, um, you know. But that it, it's it's a great time of year. Uh, the World Series starts next week in Pennsylvania. Uh, it will not be an international field. Uh, it's going to be 16 domestic teams. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with COVID still being yep. what it is, they they would hope to get back to a full field in 2022 but um yeah hats off to the north providence kids uh you know as 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 any rhode island champion would uh they represented us well yep um you know and and i i would say you know you could look and say well in the regionals you know they they dropped a couple games and, and had a tough one against maine just to get there just to be any sort of championship team to win anything on that level right be a state champion that's absolutely. hard absolutely it's, it's worth celebrating sure Sure, absolutely. So, uh, hopefully, a uh, a, mom- a moment that that uh, will um, you know continue for them to be a good memory and something that they can share as they get through their lives here. So, Bill, uh, so we will be watching with bated breath here on Saturday that that uh, Chris Sale uh, has a good outing and hopefully helps the Red Sox turn things around and uh, sort of keep the season alive. Uh, But uh, whatever happens, we'll be here to talk about it. Bill, as usual, thank you very much, and we will do this in a week. Thanks, Bill.